Okay, welcome. This is The Hustle, a podcast by FunSize about mobile product design. I'm your host, Rick Messer, product designer at FunSize. I'm also joined by Anthony Armendariz, co-founder and experience director at FunSize, and also Natalie Armendariz. She's also I'm back. She's back. <laughs> Co-founder as well. And uh, we are here... Um, gonna gonna be talking with Kirill, um, but first, uh, this, this episode is sponsored by Bench. Uh, Bench pairs you with a dedicated professional bookkeeper who manages your books for you. If you're looking for help with your books, check out Bench.co. That's Bench.co. But yeah, let's get into it. Um, Kirill uh, Zabowski started Scousy.com a few years ago. As of 2015, the team at Scousy had decided to actually shut the product down, and we're here, here with Kirill today to talk about that experience. Uh, welcome, Kirill. Thanks, Rick. Good nice to, to have you. Yeah, nice to have you. To be here, um, Kirill. Can you just give uh, our listeners a little bit of an overview uh, about you, who you are, where you're from? Um, maybe just a little background. Sure. Um, well, as of lately, I did Scazzy.com, and we took the company through Y Combinator. But before that. Uh, I am one of those odd creatures that can kind of both develop and design, uh, but I did not really study for either of that. I just wanted to do it, so I learned how to do both. Uh, moved out to Seattle and hacked on a bunch of projects for about a year, and that's um, really how we got to start Scoutsy. So, uh, you know, I live in Seattle right now, enjoy the rain, um, oh, yeah. dr- drink coffee, and... Uh, Playing my next big adventure. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So Seattle, it feels like Seattle and Austin today. It's like totally <laughs> rainy and, and, and gloomy. Uh, but some people, my wife really loves that weather anyway. She always wanted to move to Portland or Seattle because of that. But. Me too. When it's cloudy, I'm, I'm the most happiest <laughs> for some weird reason. So different. I am a sunshine kind of guy. I think um, that calls for a satellite office. Fun size <laughs> Northwest. Northwest, man. Well, if you're interested in starting it, we'll chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kirill, how about um, just, I know you kind of gave us a little bit of background already, but can you just go into the story of Scoutsy, be a little bit more specific about uh, how, what led you to uh, get that particular business started up and um, just just how things all got started? Sure. It's... It's a bit of a windy story, and I'll try to shorten as much as I can. But a few years ago, I was, you know, just as I moved to Seattle, I started working on a couple ideas that I had in mind. And one of them uh, wasn't called Scoutsy. It was actually called Attention HR. And it was a product for, uh, yeah, uh, it was a product for uh, students to find jobs. Uh, at that time, I uh, had recently graduated university, and I thought, you know, it wouldn't be cool if everyone could just work online because I'm really not a big fan of going to a big nine to five and spend the whole day in the office. You know, I'd rather work in p- pajamas at home. Mm-hmm. So I prototyped this product and applied uh, to a couple incubators, didn't get in. Uh, but still thought it was a good idea. And then just by sheer luck, met up with a designer and entrepreneur in Seattle, Kelly Smith. And we started just chatting about what I was working on, what he was working on. And he said, you know, not sure about students, but designers would really dig this. 
mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah, Kelly was actually our first uh, investor, um, yeah, angel investor, because uh, he and I partner up on on doing this thing, and so for a couple of months, I just spent building the product, uh, kind of envisioning what it would look like, and originally Scoutsy was very much um, a showcase. Um, rather than the place for people to, you know, do everything they were able to do three years later. So it's uh, almost like a portfolio <clears throat> site, kind of, or yeah, you know, uh, we uh, obviously were quite uh, influenced by Dribble at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Kirill, Kirill, was that when you were in private beta? That was uh, yeah, like about that time, but even that. That was around the time when I was still building stuff and okay. emailing people. And I think, uh, you know, you were one of the guys I emailed. But literally, I just sent like 500 emails to designers saying, I'm doing this. I have nothing yet, but I'm working on it. Would you like to sign up? Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of hundred people responded that they'd be interested. In the first version, we didn't even have a way to upload work. I literally just got work from people in a zip file and email. And they put, just emailed it to you? Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, and I put that up. And, um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how we started. Slightly different road, right? It was a lot smaller. The division was just uh, pretty straightforward. But we, we focused on mobile at the time because mobile was taking off. Yes, I re- that's that's when I remember finding you guys because I remember seeing, like, just my Twitter yeah. stream was just blowing up. And actually, I emailed you, and I think my email said, hey, you know, my wife and I only do mobile. Please, please, please let us into Scoutsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so cool. I, Anthony was the one who told me about Scoutsy, and I was like, wow, m- uh, mobile design specifically. I thought that was an interesting niche, and I, I thought it was pretty cool. I saw a lot of the portfolios that were on it. I was like, wow. Yeah, there are a lot of really good designers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was really, really wanting to be a part of it. I love the international sort of feel too. Like it wasn't just like you know, there's you know talented designers from all parts of the world. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and it was kind of timely too because you know, mobile was just getting really popular, and that kind of stuff was just starting to you know really have a big presence on Dribble. So when I you know I remember. I didn't really know what Scoutsy was doing or what the plan was. I just knew, knew that it was cool that there was this focus on mobile. Yeah, and you know, today mobile is all around us, and everybody does mobile first and all that kind of stuff. But, but at the time, very few sites actually had mobile, and also very few designers were doing mobile. You guys were special about uh, seeing the trend and kind of doing mobile uh, only way ahead of the curve. But if you asked a lot of designers at the time how to do mobile – they wouldn't be able to tell you. It was this big, scary thing that you had to, you know, study and think really hard about while web was this familiar thing that people have been doing for years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, Anthony, you had said that, you know, um, Scoutsy was like a really important thing to fund size at the beginning, trying to get things started. Yeah, it really was. Um, the first time I met Kirill was when I was working at Evernote and I was in the I think it was the Mountain View office. And so um, Kirill and I um, made an appointment to meet up. We had lunch, and I learned a little bit more about what Scoutsy was doing. And, and how, did you, how did you know Kirill? Just from reaching out on the Internet? Or? I think just via Scoutsy and our, our communications back and forth, maybe on Twitter. I don't really remember. Um, and I don't, 
at this time, I don't. It was uh, this was probably the early stages where this the seed of going out on my own and freelancing mm-hmm. was starting to where I was starting to think about that again. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, Scoutsy was a top of mind, right? Because the work that you would find on Scoutsy wasn't just iOS. There was Android, Windows, BlackBerry. I mean, you name it. And mm-hmm. so I, I kind of had a gut feeling that if I was going to be freelancing and looking for work, that 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 would be the kind of the place to do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Scout, you know, and Scoutsy was kind enough to um, to meet with me in in uh, Mountain View and pick my brain about you know some of the business uh, models and stuff like that. And ever, ever since then, Kirill and I uh, and Jen have been um, friends. That's cool. Yeah, you know, speaking of friendships, like one of the things I really value about Scoutsy and everything that happened is that we met some really awesome people and a lot of them became friends now. And what you uh, said, Anthony, about meeting you the first time, I actually still vividly remember that because we were sitting in this uh, Middle Eastern restaurant on Mount, you know, Main Strip in Mountain View. And I think halfway through our conversation, the wind got so strong that it was literally blowing us off the street with the sand and all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there they were sitting talking about business and kind of world and what Anthony was doing. It was awesome. I, you know, it was only a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's that's great. I remember that too. Uh, yeah, I remember sand being in our pint glasses and everything. <laughs> um, um, but what, um, you know, so to kind of piggyback on that, um, when I did go out on my own, you know, Scoutsy was a huge advocate for me. Like, you know, they were really supportive of me starting my own business and, uh, you know, very quickly started to send me leads. Um, and we were, you know, we would talk business together and, you know, I, I definitely learned a lot, set up my business in a certain way. And, um, very early on, uh, got connected with a client of Scoutsy that was looking for a designer. Um, this client, um, happened to like my portfolio and want to work with me. And after we got connected through Scoutsy, the client and myself both only then realized we were both in Austin. So we did a project together through Scoutsy and, um, that went really well. And this client was, um, asking for a longer term relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, Scoutsy really had no obligation to, you know, to accommodate this need. But Scoutsy was like, you know what? This is a long-term relationship and an opportunity for you to to grow your business. Like, go ahead and you guys just work together. Uh, that client ended up being um, Peter Banani, uh, which was Size's first client. Um, we've worked with them um, over the last two years on three or four different um, projects now. And yeah. Peter and I uh, talk to each other, like, almost, you know, at least once a month. Yeah. We even rent a parking space from his mother. I mean, like, so <laughs> not only did it look, you know, did we meet Kirill and Jen and some of the other designers from the Scouting network, but we met clients, um, good, good client partnerships. And it was that one client that made it possible for Natalie to quit her job and do fun size. So had that not happened, that this company would not exist, at least the way it is right now or, or as quickly as it came together. So, yeah, Grill. Yeah. So that's a tip of the hat to you, man, and and uh, to Scoutsy. So we we definitely uh, appreciate the the service that that was there at that time to kind of get things started. Thank you, guys. Business. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, we are really happy you do exist because I think you have an awesome shop and you do pretty good work, right? And a lot of people are happy because you exist. And Tony. How fast did you guys grow? Because I, you know, all I remember you went from just you and Natalie to boom. You have office. You're moving office. You're hiring people. You're moving again. And mm-hmm. 
So, um, you it know, Natalie, Natalie joined. Uh, so, you know, I worked by myself for maybe three or four months, and then Natalie joined, and within three months, uh, we brought in Rick. And then another three or four months later, we brought on <laughs> Andre. pretty fast. Yeah, so um, by the close of our first year, we went from one to what, like four ten. or five. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty quick. So uh, let's back up for a second and um, bring the spotlight back over to Scoutsy. Things had started. You had some, you know, a good user base, it seems like. Um, things were looking really nice, like on the UI side. I, I noticed that the product was evolving. I I think I even recall, like, some brand evolution as the, you know, it was sort of like a script font at first and then it was sort of a little bit more like modern looking after that but yeah it was cool we were just sort of like uh using it and um seeing things evolve but what was going on um like behind the scenes like what what was the path that um had had started started to happen sure so when we just launched we were pretty small and our idea of revenue generation was okay. You know, we'll we'll have a job board. We'll charge for that. We'll have maybe some ads. We'll charge for that. Um, and then we actually got into Y Combinator, and uh, well, and along with that, we also got in our investments from SV Angel and Five Hundred Startups, and that kind of gave us some room to um, try new things, right? Because uh, I went from not having any money and relying on like maybe a job board to just pay rent to, hey, we have a little bit of money. We can try fancy things and see where we can take this. And with that, we decided to try uh, this idea of, okay, can we really take projects through Scoutsy, take percentage of the projects and really have big things going on? And that's around the time when uh, we also met Anthony and actually started doing a lot of this work. And honestly, it was a little scary for me because uh, I I really like this whole social aspect of the network, right? And the ability to see what other people do, talk to them, and charging them money is not one of them because that feels like a big... Um, it's it's a wall, right? Like it, between you and me, and uh, it changes our relationship. Mm. Uh, but uh, my then um, co-founder, and now my wife Jen, uh, had an idea that why don't we try it and just put up um, a, spl- uh, a splash page for this project generation and connect it to a Wufu forum. And literally overnight, she just set a Wufu forum and said, "Okay, great." We were ready to charge people. Uh, we had basic questionnaire, uh, and all of that came from us talking to our community and figuring out how everyone was doing projects and kind of trying to find this one set of questions that work more or less for everyone that we can start with, right? Mm-hmm. And and that was incredible because within a day or two of her putting up that Wufu forum, Somebody paid us five thousand dollars. Whoa! <clears throat> yeah, for cool. it, it was <laughs> it, it, it was for a mobile project, and it was not even for a specific designer. The person, because you know what we were testing was to take the money up front, and right. the person said, "Yep, uh, I you know I hear good things about you. I trust your brand. So here's five thousand dollars. Here's the scope of my project. Let's find someone to work with." 
and that was awesome. It, it was mind blowing, really, right? That somebody just paid five thousand dollars, not knowing really anything about what's going to happen to their project. So there was a lot of trust in our brand. And wow. yeah, I know, right? And really cool. I mean, from there, our job was to actually find somebody in our network who was good at it uh, at that mm-hmm. particular project and have them work together. And for a while, for a couple of months, that's all we really did was <clears throat> uh, advertise the network and connect more projects with more designers. The challenge with that was uh, that was like trying to uh, run multiple startups because a lot of our clients were startups and they had a lot of ambiguity going on on their side. And then they would come to us and say, hey, you know, well, help us with this. Meanwhile, we were trying to figure out how to run our own startup and how to grow our startup. And it just got incredibly stressful. Yeah. Uh, To your point about the kind of pivots and how that moved along. Mm -hmm. So so that was great. We made money and we went and tried to raise money with our early traction. And we said, hey, you know, check this out. People are just throwing money at us. And like one month, I think, we calculated there was a combined of a million dollars in potential revenue that came through. What? Holy moly. Wow. I had (laughs) no idea y'all were at that volume. That's impressive. Well, that's the thing. We couldn't handle the volume, right? (laughs) Because the volume was coming through and we were like just trying to manage all these projects and, you know, bad things started to happen. Like we started losing them. And and so I, I talked to a bunch of VCs, but most of them were skeptical and they were saying, hey, you know, we've seen this other marketplaces like Odesk and Elance and so forth and mm. there are a lot of problems and it doesn't really work so well. Mm. So so basically, no, we couldn't raise money. But we still had money in the bank you know, from the first investment that happened just a few months ago. And, and as a side note to everyone who is listening, if you're raising money and people giving you money and you think you might want more money later – just take all the money that's been thrown at you. <laughs> okay. That's a, yeah, I think that makes sense. But you'd be surprised because at the time when we raised our first, you know, investment, we thought, well, that's, that's enough for a little while. We don't really need more money. Like we don't know what to do with it. But the thing is when you run out of money, that's a problem. And that's when yeah. no one wants to give you more. Kirill, uh, is, that, is that because a lot of new founders uh, prefer to take as least in money possible so that they're not, um, too heavy on the investment in the early days. You know, it's it's hard to say in general as to why that works, but it's more like once you once you early in the process and you have some traction, you're interesting to people, right? They want to give you money to see what happens to your company. But once you have some traction, they start to evaluate you on that traction. Mm. At which point, it may not be enough for you to look like a super successful business. So. Basically, they start telling you, well, you know, come back to us when this traction looks better. And you're like, well, I, you know, to, to make this traction better, I also need some funds. And that becomes a mm-hmm. kind of bad cycle. Um, but, it, you know, anyways, so that that was that. But So just to kind of like make sure I understand the summary of the story so far – you got started, you found uh, a great niche where people were really wanting to, you know, use Scoutsy to 
find designers for their projects, and they basically would give that the money for their project to Scoutsy, and Scoutsy would hold it in sort of an escrow until the uh, the designer was paired and, and then kind of get things going that way. And things were going good, but at the same time, uh, with investors, you were finding it difficult to continue raising money. Is that kind of where we're, where we're at at this yeah. point in the story? Okay. Yes, yes. And like I said, you know, the... The potential volume for projects was huge, but we could not just handle all of them at the time because it was all between the two of us done manually, and it was uh, uh, it, it wasn't scaling right. So we said, okay, you know what? Let's let's try and scale this. And if originally we would take the money and we would pair projects, and uh, you know, essentially would make a contract with a client, and then we'll make a contract with a designer, and mm-hmm. we'll balance it. Uh, we said, let's try to build an actual marketplace and accelerate all of this so that clients can go directly to designers so that everything we do manually basically exists on the web. And um, uh, that was like an interesting proposition, but in hindsight, it was a bit of a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, because- to automate the basically the relationship between the client and the designer. To automate it in the way we did it. So what you okay. so what you want to do is automate things one step at a time. You basically want to automate it from under yourself, right? But make make things better one thing at a time. What we said instead, we said, okay, we're just gonna shut this project business down for a couple months and and build the whole thing, mm. uh, right? And we missed out on actually a lot of cool work. I, uh, I don't remember the, all the client names right now, but I remember like four months later when we finally emerged from trying to do this rebuild and I looked at every project request that still came through. We just didn't take on it. And there were some really cool names like, let's say like Ur- UrbanDictionary.com was on there, for example. Oh, right? that would have been cool. Exactly. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if we actually did that? Ah, uh, you know. We're so stupid, basically. But so we did this rebuild, and uh, it, it was it was cool. Uh, it was really challenging because uh, underneath, right? If before you, as a client, you just basically submit a woofer form, then we'll do everything by hand. Now you could have a live messaging with your designer, and it was on the web, on the mobile, via email. It was all kind of interconnected. It was all real time. Our messaging system now had project management aspects in it. Like you could create milestones, you can pay for project, you can set constraints and all that kind of stuff. You can upload files. And it sounds pretty simple, but what goes under it is actually incredibly complicated and takes a lot of time to not only create, but then also to maintain afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what you saw as major kind of branding change because at some point we also decided to explore various uh yeah like we we changed our branding but we also wanted to explore with our ui and see how we can make it as easy as possible for clients to decide on their designers yeah uh, because before we, we'd take the project and we'd say okay now we we'll find out who is good for this particular job and now we were trying to say okay you you're the client you know you got to figure out who you really want you got to find the work that looks good for you you got to find the guy or the girl who has the skills you want availability and so forth yeah and for us it was fairly 
easy. Turns out it wasn't so easy for the clients. Mm. So it became kind of binary. People would either be really good at it or just freak out and leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I talk a lot. Uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. That we're here to hear about the about about how this all went down, man. So, uh, yeah, that that's cool. Um, I mean, it's it's good to to understand, you know, seeing the process behind um, kind of what transpired. But would you say that that had had that sort of issue? I mean, it's hard to say, right? If if things would have gone differently, because we you know we just don't know. But it, do you think that that was sort of the pivot point, uh, that implementation and scaling in that particular way uh, was what sort of set the course um, where, you, where you all ended up uh, at the end of 2014? Uh, yes and no, but yeah, I, I guess, yes, because what started to happen is what investors warned us about it, that, that in the marketplace it's really actually hard to keep both sides honest. And we ended up with a lot of designers who really loved what they had and had really good projects. And I still get emails from them saying, oh, you know, it's a pity. Scaldi shut down was the best uh, thing for UI designers or it was yeah. the, it was yeah. the best site for lead generations for me and so forth. But there was, was also mm-hmm, – go on. I, I, sorry, I wanted to ask you a question right there because um, I, I'm very curious about this. And, and, and I would venture to think that a lot of uh, people listening to this episode – are, are kind of curious about this as well. Um, when you had to, you know, break the news to both users and, and your investors, what, what was that like? Was it something that most of them sort of like, yeah, we could kind of see this sort of be, uh, on the decline, or was it like, whoa, that came out of nowhere? And, and, and how, how does that go? It's different between investors and users because with the investors, I started uh, talking about it a little bit ahead and, uh, kind of exploring opportunities and <laughs> I actually had one conversation um, where uh, one of our investors said, well, you know, if you want to sell the company, but like aqua hire type of sale, then you need to allocate a couple months for that. And I said, yeah, like, I don't really see us being aqua hired because like, I don't want a job. You don't want to be so, hired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not it, that wasn't the goal at a time, but right. the alternative solution was or you know cut down your costs, figure out how to make some money, and basically just stay afloat and and uh, keep going at it. And that's what we did. And for a while, you know that we, it worked. But there is a difference between being alive and growing. Mm-hmm. And startups need to grow, and startups needs to need to grow right. exponentially. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't happening, and it just got to the point where I couldn't see a way for us uh, to change it, right? And yeah. and like at the very end, I actually sent an email to you guys and a couple other um, avid users, and I said, "Well, look, here's I have a plan that might work, right? We may be able to really grow this, and like." I had specific um, goals of what the growth would look like in terms of unique visitors and maybe even revenue, but revenue was no longer even a concern. I just said, you know what, let's let's get users, let's get views, let's get people excited again. Mm-hmm. And the response to it was good from like really passionate users, but overall I didn't feel like the response was um, passionate enough 
that we would be able to pull it off because uh, let's just be honest, everyone is busy, right? Designers are busy with their own work. So it's great when the marketplace exists, but very few people are willing to say, okay, I'm going to spend a a lot of my time to help you out to really grow this for really just for the sake of having the marketplace existing. Mm -hmm. And when I, and, and I realized I couldn't make it grow on my own. Like I needed everyone to pitch in and everybody uh, to grow it for a couple months, and it just didn't seem like it'd be possible anymore. So, uh, kind of at that point, the decision to shut down was a no-brainer. And I think, you know, to our investors, they're used to it. Like ninety-something percent of companies die and never see the uh, uh, any sort yeah. of exit. Right. That that is sort of like the the nature of their demeanor is sort of what I am curious about. And, you know, maybe someone else who's, you know, thinking of startup or has investors already, like when you knew it was time to sort of close things down, was it like were were investors like, Hey, you'll win some, you lose some, better luck next time? Or were they like, Man, this I is want a- my two dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what 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 was the just the attitude feeling like if uh I could be, you know, if you, if you don't mind answering that. Yeah, it was mostly positive. Like some were, re- cool. some were really positive, like, because as part of Y Combinator at the time, we also got our investments from like four different firms. Uh, so those guys responded as well. And mostly they were like, yeah, you know, that's kind of the nature of the game. Do better next. And Y Combinator, is that uh, an incubator or... Uh, it's pretty much, yeah, the number one startup incubator in the world. Uh, I'm being humble here. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, um, it, they they are an investor and an incubator and they're just a really amazing network of founders. Kirill, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Did the thought ever cross your mind that you could use the Scoutsy community to provide design services for the Y Combinator portfolio companies? Uh, yes, and we did a lot of that in the process. That's cool. Uh, but back to original Rick's question about, you know, was this shutdown imminent? And, uh, and I think the answer was probably yes. And so I should have listened to investors to an extent that did not give us money, you know, two years ago. <clears throat> because Mark Andreessen has this really good post about um, startups and uh, markets and that markets always win. And uh, uh. and if you don't have a big enough market that you're pretty much guaranteed to lose. And w- what we were trying to get to was a place where everyone would work online, not just designers, right? Designers, developers, janitors, like whoever has the skills would get there, and that's big enough. But But it's a really difficult leap between let me start with UI designers and get to everyone working online mm-hmm. and just for the designers the, the scale is just not there and <clears throat> while we're here there's also a lot of complexity like it works the marketplace works for cheap labor like 99 designs right those guys oh <laughs> yeah I know like we, we all hate them but or they work because <laughs> yeah 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 five dollar logos right isn't that amazing <laughs> I mean, that's really what your company needs. Uh, But it works because clients who want the cheap labor are willing to pay a little bit of money, right? Just like trickle some of their money onto the designer. And a lot of those designers are either overseas where you can take advantage of the currency difference 
or they're in a small town in America somewhere where their uh, cost of living is not very high. So they can still do that. Sure. On, on the other end of the spectrum, we have you guys, right? We have really great design work, big team, but also fairly like sizable projects, right? Because to sustain all of this, to give your clients the experience you provide, you, you have to get paid. We kind of ended up in the you, middle. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Money, money, what is that? Rick's like, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> uh, right? But like, but in the middle, we were trying to provide higher-end service, like almost an agency-like service, at a very inexpensive price. Mm-hmm. And so you end up doing a lot of work, but not getting really rewarded for it. And it's hard on everybody who is trying to do this work. And it's uh, and the number of clients that actually come for that particular work isn't huge because, you know, if they have a little bit more money, they will go to an agency. If they don't have a lot of money, they'll go to 99designs. Like, I can't... Uh, so it's pretty narrow, narrow gap, I guess. Yeah, and I don't have enough, like, fingers on my hands to tell you how many times people came and said, oh, you know, I spent, like... A thousand or two thousand dollars on one of those other websites, and I got really shitty results. Do you think? Do you think you can do something for us? And I'm like, yeah, come back with the money you just spent. Oh, All right. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh huh. Go on. Go ahead. No, uh, not good. I was just. I had a question. Like, I was just curious with the things that you know now, and like all the peaks and valleys that you went through. Um, looking back. You know, like, and I know you have like an entrepreneur spirit and a go-getter spirit. Like, would you do it again? Would you go on that journey? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that might be. That's the good case. to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's exhausting, but it's also rewarding. It's a lot of fun. You learn a lot. Yeah, I bet it is a lot of fun. It does sound like it. Just, I mean, and, and you, you mentioned too that Jen, uh, you guys were, uh, you ended up getting married after i mean it probably wasn't a result of this but i mean i'm sure that strengthened y'all's relationship uh to going through it uh yeah it helped and a lot of people ask you know how do you work with your significant other and it works for us i wouldn't necessarily advise everyone to do it. <laughs> uh because at times it's stressful and if you can mitigate the stress then you can succeed and and you know sometimes it really is helpful because i don't see necessarily um, other co-founders who are not like my wife providing the same amount of support. Oh some, yeah. I, right. I would, yeah. <laughs> Cause there are days that. when you're like nearly in tears, but your wife can say, Hey, you know, relax. It's, it's all going to be all right. And you're like, yeah. yeah, you know, you're here. It's all good. That's true. Um, yeah, that, that's what works for Natalie and I, you know, because we're, we're two founders with the same vision and the same goals. So every decision we make can, we can monitor it, making sure we're on the right path for the right kind of life we want to live. And so I, I can definitely understand that. So a couple, a couple things, Kirill. How do you, how do you guys feel now? I mean, uh, has that? Do you feel uh, relieved uh, in any way? Has your relationship changed with Jen? Uh, what are the next steps for you, and, and what do you, what do you hope to be doing next? Uh, relieved, yes. I mean, sad to an extent too, because I still think there is an opportunity somewhere in terms of, uh, what we were doing with Scoutsy and a bigger vision of, you know, people being able to work from anywhere, like anytime. And the important part was trying to do that 
in a human way, right? Where you really feel good about your work and not like abused by your clients. But uh, th- there's something there somewhere. So maybe we were too early or didn't do it right, and I think the opportunity still exists. Uh, who knows? Maybe one day I'll get to do it again. Mm-hmm. But in general, like that—that's what it was, you know. And it's and it's over now, and it's time to move on and do something else. And I mentioned to you guys, I already basically co-founded another project with a couple. Uh, uh, friends. One of them is a Y Combinator uh, alum who recently sold his company. And uh, you know, at some point, I was saying what we were doing with Scalzi that things weren't doing great. And uh, then we met up and basically partnered up on a on a project. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting. And I don't want to dwell too much on it yet because it's still early. But the difference is that one is either going to be a total flop. Or it has a potential to impact millions of people. Yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah, and and I like that. You know, I like the the idea that maybe millions of people will use this pro- uh, product that we're building. Right. Um, oh, cool. That's exciting. I'm sure uh, maybe at a later time you you'll you'll be uh, ready to share more about that. But uh, until that time comes, we'll uh, wait in anticipation. Um, uh, Kirill, we probably need to wrap it up here. Uh, we're about out of time. Um, but I did, uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you, uh, very much. Uh, it was very awesome of you to get on our podcast today and kind of share this experience with us. We're very curious about it. And, uh, you know, Scoutsy will always have uh, a very special place with fun size. Sure right? will. Right. Um, Kirill, where can people, uh, learn more about you? Just, uh, Twitter or, um, where, where should they go to to look up more on you? Twitter is probably the best. And then, you know, my website is my first name, my last name.com. So kiyozabowski.com. And uh, if if they have further questions, like, I'm happy to answer them. And, in fact, people have been asking me more about Scousy. So I said, okay, I'll write something on this once I have enough questions. And I can put it all together in a nice short blog post so that, uh, you know, everyone can read it. So, yeah. If, yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Um what, and what is your Twitter handle? Uh, it's also at Kirill Zabowski. So they should probably look it up on your website. <laughs> yeah, I'll link it. I'll link it for sure. Cool, man. Thank you very much. Um, so everyone uh, request topics or just respond to this episode by tweeting to at FunSize on Twitter. Uh, please rate the Hustle Podcast on iTunes and subscribe. Thanks very much, guys. It's been great to have Thanks, everyone. guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks, great chatting. Talk to you soon, Kirill. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Today's episode is sponsored by Bench.co. Let's face it, bookkeeping is never fun, but it's something you can't escape. Bench is the online bookkeeping service that does your bookkeeping for you. When you sign up to Bench, you're paired with your own dedicated human bookkeeper, and you collaborate with the bookkeeper using the Bench app. It's everything you need to cross bookkeeping off your list forever. If bookkeeping is taking too much of your time, and you just want it done, check out www.bench.co. That's bench.co. They've got you covered. Hustle is brought to you by FunSize, a digital product design agency in Austin, Texas that creates delightful, innovative products for mobile, web, and beyond. Visit us on Twitter at FunSize or visit our website at funsize.co.